Holy Spirit, we welcome you in the midst of us on tonight. We thank you, Father God, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us that live, but it's Christ who lives in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Last week, we talked about um, the order of the church dealing with giving. I'm going to go a little bit further with the courtyard on tonight, but I'm going to go over briefly dealing with the giving part. We see in Exodus 25 that the Lord spoke unto Moses. So we see that he was speaking unto the one that he wanted to carry out the plan and the purpose that he had for his tabernacle. God knew that the plan that he had would take resources. So he told Moses, this is what I want you to tell unto the people. So Moses had to be before God to get what God had for the people. And that's the first thing that we got to understand. Dealing with God pattern, dealing with the order of the church, God is going to have a individual in place that's going to be over the church over the people of God and he's going to give him or her the way that he want this pattern to be carried out so we see here that God spoke to Moses and he told Moses this is what I want you to tell the Israelites and he said I want you to speak to the Israelites that they take for me an offering this is Exodus 25 verses 1 through 9 from every man who gives it willingly and ungrudgingly with his heart you shall take my offering so we see that God was telling Moses I want you to ask for this offering but I only want it from those that are willing to give this offering and when God look at um, being willing it comes from the heart you don't have to try to motivate anybody you don't have to try to um, beg them to give they're going to give because it's coming from the heart so God looks at the heart. He said, I only want you to take it from those that's going to give it willingly. So then he goes on to say, this is the offering you shall receive. So the things that God asked from, from the people, he knew what the people already had. See, God is not going to ask for anything that he know you don't have. And that's the first thing we got to realize. In your giving, God is only asking according to what he know you already have so he told Moses this is what I want you to ask for now the key in asking for this how did God know that they already had this offering is because in Exodus 12 verse 35 through 36 before they were leaving Egypt I'm reading out the Amplified it says the Israelites did according to the word of Moses and they urgently asked of the Egyptian Jews of silver of gold and clothing the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they gave them what they asked and they stripped the Egyptian of those things. So God knew what they had because this is what he told the um, Israelites to ask of the Egyptians. So do not forget that when God send you to a certain place to get something, he's already changed the hearts of those people to give that amount to you or to give what you're asking for. So we should never say we don't have because God has already made a way for us to have. And for us today, God has given us jobs. He has given us um, what we need to give into his work, to give into the kingdom. So we have to understand that we're not only 
working for ourselves to meet our needs but God is allowing you to make enough to meet the needs of the kingdom and this is why you have to stay before the Lord to know what to do with what God has provided for you in order for us to give to the kingdom God opened doors for us on jobs he may open doors for us dealing with retirement he may open doors for us dealing with social security whatever that door is God know what each individual can give through the door that God has opened remember the doors that God opened no man can close the doors that God shut no man can open so God know everybody in this room have a way of giving to the kingdom so they did what God told them to do and that was Exodus 12 and how about in Exodus 25 God said now I want you to go to the people and tell the people this is what I need can y'all imagine them people had gold they had silver in the wilderness they had gold they had all of this stuff that was needed for what God wanted to use for use it for is God not awesome so this is why when we're doing a work for the kingdom and God to tell a leader, okay, this is what I want you to do and this is what I want you to ask the people for. That's why a leader has to stay before God to hear God to give you the amount that God is putting on that leader's heart. And when God put it on that leader's heart, God will touch the hearts of the people that are willing to say, yes, God, I can give this amount. And God will show those people where to go to get that amount. Did they, did they not ask the Egyptians? The Egyptians were what? In the world. This is how this is supposed to happen for us today. When God give the church an amount, God will let you know who to go to to ask for that amount. How would you know? Because if you before the Lord, if you in prayer, let, let me give you an example. If I'm telling Miracle Temple, okay, the church is in the need of $20,000. And I believe that this, this amount can be met right with the people that's in Miracle Temple. The first thing that Miracle Temple have to do is trust the one that's asking them for that money. That's why you're supposed to know your leader enough to know that your leader is not going to just ask for that money and use it for their benefit. You should be around your leader long enough to know that your whatever God puts in that leader's hand, he, the leader, he or she is going to use it for the kingdom of God and not use it for their own benefit. So you have to get to know that leader. They had to know Moses stood in the presence of the Lord to hear from God. So once I deliver that to Miracle Temple and say, okay, we need $20,000 for what God has called me to carry out. So the ones that are willing, what they're going to do, they're going to say, well, I know I don't have 20 in my bank account, but I believe the Lord has given something to apostle that's needed, and I want to be a part of that. So that's when you begin to pray, and you begin to say, okay, Lord, my heart is willing. You said the willing and the obedient is going to eat the good of the land. I'm willing to help her carry out what you have given her. See, that's a person with a heart that's hearing from God, a heart that want to give. And immediately when you do that and you begin to pray, all of a sudden, the Lord may pop this person before you. And he may say, go to this person and ask for this amount. 
He told you the amount he wants you to ask for. So you go to that person and you begin to tell that person, this is what we're doing here at Miracle Temple. And I'm coming to you to see if you want to be a part of what we're doing. And you begin to tell them, they say, well, how much do you need to get this done? And you say, well, I need $500. And they'll say, I want you to come back tomorrow and I'll have that check ready for you. Did that check come from you? Yes, it did. Because God told you where to go get that check for the needs of what was needed. See, that's why we need to quit saying, I don't have it. Quit saying you don't have it when you ain't even tried to go ask to get it. This is the problem in the church. You may not have it, but if you pray and you seek God, God's going to show you who you can get it from. Then they will place it in your hand. We had an individual in here that we was um, trying to get something for the church, and they knew they didn't have it. And they began to seek God, and they said, God, I don't have that amount. I don't even have a job. I'm not even working nowhere. But God, I want to be a part of what they're doing. So they began to pray. They began to seek God. They began to call out that amount. And how about somebody in the neighborhood come over and wrote them a check for the amount they needed? See, this is why how we know when people's hearts are not right for God. When your heart is right for God, you got to understand that God will use you to go to somebody else for the need that's needed. If you keep looking at you and you keep saying, I don't have, I don't have, that means that you don't want to have. You don't want to get it for what God is doing. So this is what the Israelites had to do. They had to trust Moses first because they knew that Moses trusted God. So by them trusting Moses and taking him at his word and doing what God told Moses to tell them to do, then they went to the Egyptians and they got what was needed for that tabernacle. So this is what we have to do today. That tells me that if I'm asking you for something and you don't go out or you don't seek the Lord and you just sit there and say, well, I just don't have it, but check it out. You got a whole year to get it. You have a whole year to get it. So some people just sit there and don't try to do anything. That's not coming together. That's not working on one accord. See, it took all of them to work on what God was giving Moses. It didn't come through one person. It came through all of them. They come together to get it done. So that's what we have to do. We have to come together to get it done. And then the Bible said in Exodus 36, when it was time for all this to come together, The people were bringing so much, so much because their hearts was right and they were willing that Moses had to stop them from giving until the the tabernacle. And this is how it should be with us. It should be more than enough, over enough to do what need to be done. And that's when we say, we got it. We, We got it. We met our goal because the people hearts come together to do what God was requiring them to do. And that's how it should be today, given willingly. This is why Paul was saying that in, what was it, 2 Corinthians 9 or was it 1 Corinthians 9? Anybody know that scripture? I get first and second mixed up on that, but I know it's in one or the other. It is in 2 Corinthians 9. Yep. 2 Corinthians 9, this is why Paul was letting them know 
that verse 6, but this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sow bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God love a cheerful giver. So see, this is what takes place first. You got to be a willing giver. You got to be a giver that's just not giving because you don't want people to know that you didn't give, but you giving from your heart because you know this is what God will want you to do, and it's coming from your heart. So we know when we give from our heart, it's not grudgingly. It's willingly. And when we do that, this is when God intervenes, and that next verse say that God is able to make all grace abound towards us that we have all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work this happens when we give willingly there's not a soul in this room that when you give willingly things begin to pop things begin to come forward for you and I can say this and I have to use Quanah back there for an example y'all know when I was teaching on this last week and I was using Quanah for an example in my teaching just being led by the Holy Ghost, just using her for an example. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit let me know, I want you to bless her on tonight. I want you to give to her on tonight. And guess what? Did he do it abundantly, Quana? Did he do it over what you needed? How did this happen? Because I had to be the first one to hear God, to know what God was telling the leader to tell you to do. Was that not the scripture? And the ones that came up and gave willingly and didn't give grudgingly, Quana had enough to do what she needed to do with. And I can tell you something. Quana give out of her need. She's one that give out of her need. When, when we say we need this or that, Quana's on it. And look how God will come in and make all grace abound towards you that you have all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work. See, when you know how to work the word, you work the word because you know the word work. And it don't get hard for you to do it because you're just doing what God tells you to do. See, when you're in your word, it comes a time that you don't have to do what your leader is requiring you to do because you already know what to do. I, don't have, I shouldn't have to teach on tithes and offerings and alms because if I got leaders that's in the word of God, when something is asked, they know it's according to the word, so they're not going to back up from the word and try to decide, where well, is that God or is that apostle? You don't need to give nothing. If you have to distinguish between if that's God or if that's apostle, keep your money in your pocket because you're trying to determine if I'm telling the truth or if I'm lying, you're calling me a liar right then. That's people that are stingy. That's people that don't want to really give it. If they have to say if that's apostle or is that God. You should know me better, but you should know me well enough to know I'm not going to stand here and ask you for something and you're going to question whether it's me or whether it's God. Just keep it in your pocket. Or I'm going to go home and pray about it. The only thing you should be doing if you don't have no money, find the quick ATM and come bring it back. You don't need to pray on nothing because if you know me, you should know I know God and I'm not going to take nothing from you, not unless God asks me to ask you. That's how it should be. So we talked about the giving part. Did everybody understand that? I noticed on some tests that I was um, grading when I was asking about um, what scripture talked about them giving willingly. Some of y'all had Exodus 12. 
And in Exodus 12, this was when they were telling them to go to the Egyptians and get it. It had nothing to do with giving willingly. Why? Because God has given it to them. But then in Exodus 25 and 36, you can see when Moses said, only take it from those that ask willingly. I did another um, question too. That was tonight, right? Everybody took their test tonight? I'm going to back up a little bit. Yeah, because when I was grading them tonight, but I'm going to go further back to another teaching. When I was talking about Jesus being the tabernacle, about um, how was Jesus the tabernacle? And some of these answers was far-fetched. <laughs> Very far-fetched. So this is what I'm going to do because when we're in class, I want to make sure everybody's on one accord with the question I asked was, um, why was Jesus a tabernacle? And then I say, give me a scripture dealing with Jesus being the tabernacle. So before I can even go into this next teaching, I'm going to have some people to come up here and we're going to talk about it. Okay? So come on up here. Who want to be the first ones to talk about how is Jesus the tabernacle? That's my first question. Who want to answer that first question? Come on, Brother Willie. How is Jesus the tabernacle? Which mic, Athea? The one in the middle. Okay, this Sunday school mic. Let's see how well everybody hear me. I'm turning it on. When you get up here and talk with it, do not turn it off. Leave it on. This is the one we're using. All right? Okay, Brother Willie, how is Jesus the tabernacle? Jesus, uh, he's the tabernacle, tabernacle because in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word became flesh. So therefore, he became our tabernacle. Amen. Who's next? Jennifer, come up. Um, for me, it was Hebrews, and Hebrews describes um, how Jesus fulfilled the law because in the Old Testament, you know, they had to bring a, um, you know, it started with Cain and Abel. They had to have a blood sacrifice. Well, it started with Adam and Eve, back up to there. And um, so they had to bring um, a lamb or a goat or a turtle dove or a pigeon according to what they could afford the lord knew and so when jesus came he fulfilled all of the law and um so that's how he represented the tabernacle they didn't have to come in and um to the you know to the temple and bring their animal and sacrifice it and and the priests went in the um holy of holies on behalf of the people but jesus is our high priest and he took his blood that was um once and for all it didn't just cover sins it completely did away with it okay who's next come on up Teresa okay right there on, yeah that's it um the same thing that Jennifer said because that's the one I picked Hebrews 9 and also the part, um, the tabernacle was built by man's hands, but Jesus was the tabernacle not built by man's hands. 
a building not made by hand. Okay, next. Come on, Kim. Can you take Kim the mic and then, Teresa, you can pass it to somebody else after she finished. I chose John 14, I think it was, where Jesus said he was going to prepare a place um, for us and how no, no one can get to the Father but through him. Okay. Who else? I said that Jesus was the, um, the living tabernacle and that he came to live and dwell among us and we beheld his glory. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else got an answer? Did anybody answer any differently? Manny? I think my answer was, um, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. Um, and one of my other scriptures, I think, was John one fourteen where the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You know, he tabernacled among us. We beheld his glory. But basically in him, the, you know, it's the fullness of God. Just like the fullness of God was in the tabernacle, it's now in his, in his body, you know, in bodily form. Okay. Everybody understand that? Everybody on one accord with that and understand the answers that went forth tonight? Okay, and this is why when we take these tests, you have to look at the scripture. You can turn it off, Teresa. You have to look at the scripture that's being asked. You have to really sit there and say, okay, God, what are, what are you saying here? And let the Holy Spirit help you with it because I want you to stay on that question, not outside of what I'm asking. Amen? Okay. So everybody understand that part about the tabernacle, right? Everybody understand the, the test when I asked tonight, did the people give willingly from the, for the building of the tabernacle? Everybody understood that, right? And I think everybody answered that quite well. So we're going to move on. I just want to make sure we all on one accord because if you run into somebody, you want to make sure you know where that scripture is and you want to make sure you're telling them, according to what the word is saying and not just assuming and you want to break it down to the point from the beginning on up to the end where we get to Jesus and I think that's why Teresa and Jennifer use Hebrews 9 dealing with all these sacrifices they had to sacrifice to get to the father but being that Jesus dwelt among us he was that living sacrifice you didn't need any more sacrifices guess why he was the final sacrifice that paid for all sin once and for all so when Kim used John 14 um 14 6 was it 14 6 14 7 y'all I gonna got that one mixed up now when she used John 14 y'all help me out I know it was it was six 14.6, when she used that one, it say, he's the way, the truth, and the light. No one can get to the Father but by me. You're going to need more explanation on why he was the tabernacle. Because he is the way to the Father. He is the tabernacle. But why is he the way to the Father? Because he's the what? The final sacrifice. So you got to loop those scriptures together to get to 14.6 where Kim is. Because they wouldn't understand, okay, he is the way to the Father, but why is he the way to the Father? 
That's the question they're going to ask. So you got to bring in from the sacrifices that they had made. Um, you know, they had to make those sacrifices in order to get to the Father, but it was more than that for them to get to the Father. So we're going to bring it all together. So when you explain the old, the new fulfills the what? The old, and people are going to have to understand that. So let's talk about tonight. I'm going to give you a little bit on tonight on Exodus. Now we're going to talk about the courtyard. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Y'all, it's a lot. <laughs> Exodus 27, verse 9 through 19. Exodus 27, verse 9 through 19. Reading out the Amplified. And you shall make the court of the tabernacle. So God is giving instructions to whom Moses. Moses have to give it to the people. On the south side, the court shall have hangings of fine twine linen, a hundred cubits long for one side. So let's start out with the courtyard. This is what the scene that I want y'all to see, and this is what I'm going to do to give you this scene so you know where we are. Um, Jennifer, stand right there, honey. Okay. Mm -hmm. Jennifer is going to represent the tribe of Judah. And beside Jennifer, she got other people right there. Um, Raheem, I want you to come over here on this side. Raheem, mm -hmm, just stand right here in the middle right here. Okay, I got to get the tribes right. He's going to be on, okay, I want to do this right. Jennifer's in the east. Ephraim is going to be in the west. I'm looking at my... You're going to be north, north, south, east, west. Okay, somebody stand right here for me. Kathy, yeah, you stand right there. Stand right there. Like Jennifer is standing. Give me somebody right there in the middle aisle. Thank you, TJ. Okay, TJ is going to represent the north. That's going to be Dan. Okay. South is Reuben. This is going to be Rahim. You're going to represent West Ephraim, and you're going to be East Judah. Now, I want y'all to notice how this is mapped out. What it looked like to you? Across. The tribes was representing the cross, okay? Right here in the middle is a courtyard. This courtyard, remember I said, he said, make me a courtyard. This courtyard is white linen. That fine twine linen is white linen. Let me give you a scripture. Y'all can stand, keep standing there. Jennifer said, I want to write down my scripture. <laughs> that courtyard, he said, make me a courtyard. So, but the courtyard had to be made of fine twine linen. When we look at that, we look at Revelations 19.8. It says, And to her was granted that she should array in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So I want to show you something. The courtyard, there's a courtyard that's right in the middle. The tribes is surrounding the courtyard. So we got a courtyard. Okay, let me get some more people for the courtyard. Give me about four people. We just want to make a, a court. Y'all see where I'm going? Can I have some people? Okay, Manny. Come on, Aria, Kwana. We're going to just make a courtyard to try to show y'all 
y'all connect me something that would be in the middle of them to make me a courtyard or box or something. Do I need some more people? I need some more people. Yeah, we want to make just, okay, give me one more. Yeah, you, now you stand right there. That'll, be, that'll work. That'll work. I just need a few people. Okay, this is the courtyard. This courtyard, okay, um, Julia, get me my white um, throws that we have. Y'all don't look at the blue on them. I just use them white. I wish I had some white sheets. Well, the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it like this. Yeah. Okay. I need some people to hold this on the outside of them and around. You know what I'm talking about? The white. Oh, y'all can hold it. Hold that for me. Give them something to cover up all that just to show the white. Okay. And then they'll take that. Okay. And then, Julia, can you, we need somebody to help Julia hold. Can y'all hold that? Okay. Now, y'all see this is the courtyard. I'm just using an example. The tribes, what they see is pure white. That's, what's, that's what they see is pure right, white. They're surrounded by purity. That means that white represent the righteousness of God. So every day, this is all they see. And it's leading up to something to let them know they can't even come this way because of who they are. Their tents are dark colored. So this right here is the courtyard. Now, outside the courtyard is these tribes. That means that this represents the world. They can't come up here any kind of way. And they know this because it represents the righteousness of God. Then on that courtyard, they have pillars, pillows, pillars. And those pillars um, are made of a certain wood, but they've um, got bronze or um, brass um, things that's, that's hooked to them. That means the judgment of God. So when you see this courtyard, you're going to see these pillars. And then you're going to also see the silver um, caps that's going to be upon them. The silver represent redemption. So when they look at this courtyard, they're going to know that they cannot approach God any kind of way. The sin, um, the judgment that represent this bronze and this brass mean that sin has to be judged. It's, it's going to be judged for, from God. And then the silver caps that's up there represent redemption. So the price has to be paid. And they know they cannot pay that price. So everything that God had them to do, it represent the pattern that was in heaven. So they couldn't even come through here without having what's needed for the price to be paid y'all get that so when you read that scripture in exodus when we look at i want y'all just to paint a picture remember the tribes on the outside they can't even go inside this court because of the righteousness of god because of god's standards because the um, price has to be paid and it's a judgment for sin y'all getting the picture remember how i set up Thank y'all. Now I'm finna go through the scripture.
So we're talking about the courtyard. The courtyard was a barrier, a separation between God and man. So these tribes were separated from God. Y'all get it? They were separated from God. And this is leading up to something to tell you about the world. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you are separated from God. And if you are separated from God and you in the world, guess what? Hell is your home. <laughs> because, you know, you have to come through Jesus in order for that sacrifice to be paid for for sin. But we're going to get to that. When we look at Isaiah 59 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear you. So sin has separated them from God. See, Moses had to get a pattern from God which come down from heaven to let them know these are God's standards. This is God's way of doing things. So when they woke up and when they were surrounded by this tavern, this courtyard, they saw the righteousness of God. They saw that sin had to be judged. They saw that um, the price had to be paid dealing with that silver. So we understand that. Let me give you a scripture dealing with, um, we did Revelations 19.8. Let's go to Psalms 118, 19 through 20. Psalms 118, 19 through 20. This is talking about the court. Open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord, this gate of the Lord into which the righteousness shall enter. See, David recognized this. He recognized that he had to be right in order to go through these gates. So when he saw the courtyard with all that white linen, he was looking at the righteousness of God. And he knew there was only one way to get into that courtyard. And see, this is what we got to understand today. The courtyard was white. Y'all, we haven't even got to the gate yet. Because they had to understand what this courtyard represented first. You had to be in right standing with God. You had to be pure. You had to be clean. Judgment for sin had, you know, had to be um, taken care of, which comes through a price being paid. So they knew every day when they looked at that courtyard, they knew that they couldn't do it because they couldn't meet the standards of God. They couldn't meet the, um, the ways of God, the way God wanted things done. So the next thing we talked about was, let's look at the bronze, which I said that was judgment. You can write this scripture down. Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. Um, if you read this before, it was when they were complaining, they were mummering, and fiery serpents came in and bit them. And when those fiery serpents bit them, this is what God told um, Moses to do. Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. I'm going to go to verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many Israelites died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent of bronze. Remember, bronze is, represents the judgment, dealing with sin. And set it on a pole, and everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent, put it on the pole. And if the serpent had bitten any man, when he looked to the serpent of bronze... Um, attentively, expectantly, with a steady and absorbing gaze, he lived. So imagine now the serpent was on the pole. 
Now, y'all remember, remember them pillars that I was talking about? They had that bronze in them. They had that brass in it and made judgment. So what did he tell them to do? Put the serpent on the pole. The serpent that they looked at, when they looked at that serpent, see, it represented Jesus being lifted up. When they focused on that serpent, they were healed even though they were bitten. That serpent that bit them, it was due to sin. But by that serpent hanging on that pole and they paid attention to that serpent, which meaning that was Jesus. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're free from sin. So this is what the bronze represented. Um, Sin had to be dealt with. So when you saw that bronze, when they looked at that bronze, they knew sin had to be dealt with. When they looked at that silver, they knew the price had to be paid. That was redemption. Now, I want y'all to do one thing for me because I'm going to use this too when we get to the gate. So we did the silver. We did the brass. We talked about the pillars. We did the the courtyard in white, right? But this is interesting, y'all. Once they done all of that, Guess what they had to get to next? They had to realize that they could not meet the um, ways of God. They could not meet God's standards. Remember the white. They had to know that sin had to be dealt with. They had to know that um, it had the price had to be paid through the silver. But the next thing that God did, he said, once you realize that, now you can come to the gate. You get into the gate, y'all. Let's talk about that gate. So they had to realize all of that before they can get to the gate. And look what it said. Go back to Exodus 27. Exodus 27. And we're going to get down to verse 16. I want you to look at the gate. And for the gate of the court, there should be a hanging for a screen, 20 cubits long of blue, purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen embroidered. Okay, so look at what's going to happen with the gate, y'all. The gate had to be in blue, it had to be in scarlet, and it had to be in purple. Blue represent heaven. The purple represent royalty, which is a king. And then the scarlet represents blood. All of that is referring back to Jesus. He's king of kings, right? So when we look at the blue, he is representing heaven. When you look at the purple, he is a king. When you look at the scarlet, he's going to shed some blood. So when they got to the gate, y'all, they had to understand the purity first of God, the way God is. They had to understand, I can't meet it. So guess why they bought the lamb? Y'all get it? Because their surroundings, they knew, I don't have what it takes to even go through the gate. So they had to follow the procedures of God to get to the gate. That's how you know their heart was changed because they said, I cannot atone for sin myself. They said, you know, the silver represent redemption. I can't pay the price. And God's standards and his righteousness, he's so clean and he's so pure, I can't do it. So they knew when they came to that gate, they had to have a perfect lamb. And when they came to that gate, y'all, guess what? They can only smell blood. This is why David said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Because now when he gets to the gate, Jesus is the gate. That's your scripture, Kim, 14.6. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. He is the gate. So by the time they get to the gate, they got to have a perfect lamb. 
So that lamb has to be checked at the gate. This is what has to happen. The lamb has to be checked at the gate. So those colors in that gate represent who? Jesus Christ. Because he is the way. And guess what? I want y'all to look around in this church and see if you see any of those colors. These are the colors that God gave me. What is silver? What is blue? Heaven. We need some purple up in here, don't we? Got a little bit. So see, when God gave this to me, the colors, I didn't realize it then. He just told me, this is what I want you to do. I said, okay, God, I'll do it. And then when you look around in here, guess what? You're going to know the price has been paid. You're going to know this. The price has been paid. You know, you've been paid for through Jesus Christ. So we got to understand that when we look at this tabernacle, everything represents Jesus. So that's where I'm stopping. And the reason why I'm stopping there is because when we go through that gate, you're going to understand that sacrifice now. But that's what all those colors represent. And that's why everything had to be just like God wanted it. So the people will understand you can't do it yourself. So by the time you get to this gate, you got to have a perfect sacrifice. It can't be nothing with blemish because you understand that everything that's going to approach me have to be right, have to be righteous, have to be pure, have to be whole. It cannot be anything that you think that you can give me on your own. It has to be according to my pattern. Do you see why the church is so messed up? Because they're not explaining to people really what salvation is. And people are going out there and they're getting saved because they, everybody else is doing it. But they don't understand now who they are now that they're in Christ. Jesus was your final sacrifice. Meaning that it was nothing that you had to do but accept what he has already done. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to work it out ourselves and get it right. But if you understand how that, that tabernacle in the Old Testament is representing Jesus, you will understand, wow, the only thing they had to do is follow the instructions that Moses was giving them. And go, when they went through that door, they was accepting the way that was already made for them. Isn't that something? But they had to let go. This is the key. The stuff that made that tabernacle, who had to let go of it? The people. So all through the process, they had to let go of something. Y'all get it? This is why when you come to him, you have to let go of yourself. You have to know you can't do it. This is why those tribes were surrounded by that courtyard. They had to realize, I just can't do it myself. I have to do it according to the pattern of God or I won't be able to go through those gates. This is how it worked, y'all. So the ones that we're going out and we're telling them about Jesus, when you truly learn about this tabernacle and you put all this stuff in there and say, let me tell you something, you ain't got enough sheep, you ain't got enough goats, you ain't got enough turtle doves, you ain't got enough pigeons to give God what he wants because all that is just going to atone. Some of us are still under that Old Testament covering up sin. And you know why it keep popping up? Because you're doing it. It's you trying to do it. Instead of taking what Jesus has already done. He was the final sacrifice for sin, y'all. Go with me to St. John 16. St. John 16, 8 and 9. Listen at this. 
This is talking about the Holy Spirit. And when he is come, he will reprove, that means convict, the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, it didn't say sins, it says sin, S-I-N, because they believe not on me. See, the problem is we're trying to repent every day for sins. Your sins have been taken care of through one man who didn't have no sin. Get it? Your sins, every sin that you can commit, past, present, and future, got taken care of through the way, the truth, and the life, which comes through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice. One man took care of sin once and for all, so that means it covered every sin, all of them. Ones that you don't even know you're going to commit, Jesus took care of. Isn't that awesome? So the only thing that you are going to be of sin because they believe not on me. The thing that's going to get us is not our sins because sins has been taken care of. It's rejecting Jesus Christ. So people now still, I'm so sorry, Lord, I'm so sorry. I won't see him no more, Lord. I won't do it. He done took care of all of that. It's good to confess it, but you got to understand when you stand before the father, you go into hell because you rejected his son, not because of your sins, because he died for your sins over 2,000 years ago. That was not the problem because he dealt with that. That was why the tabernacle was there to let you know that your sins are being dealt with, but you got to bring that perfect lamb. But Jesus was the perfect sacrifice once and for all, so they ain't need no more of that. That was the old, when the new. So if you still trying to repent, Lord, I repent of what I done yesterday, and while I'm at it, I'm going to repent what I'm going to do tomorrow because I know I'm going to do something. You missed it. You missed it. He already forgave you for that. So the only thing that people go to hell for is rejecting him because he already paid the price for sin. So this is why when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we need to accept him for by what he's already done, not accepting him for what we believe in he's going to do because it's already done. Sin has already been paid for through Jesus Christ. So he's the final sacrifice. So we're going to keep going through everything in this um, tabernacle. And I believe as we go through it, you're going to see everything in there leads up to Jesus Christ. This is why he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except by him. And if anybody trying to get there any other way, I hate it for you. Because you got to come through Jesus Christ. That's why you accept him as your Lord and your Savior. Amen. So we're going to stop there, and y'all, we got a long journey. John, I'm sorry, John 16, verse 8, and you can go on through verse 11. Amen. We give God glory for that. And the more you get into it and the more you read, you'll find more, but I ain't giving all of that because it'll take too long. I'm just giving a little brief thing. And, and y'all, I would like to have a, a tabernacle and with all the stuff in it to show people this is how it is. And can you imagine we in, in, in Bible study and everybody got to go through each. We probably fall out up in here. Don't you say, Tyson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would will, we will be in here probably shaking once we got, oh, Lord, I don't think I'm going to make it. 
Y'all will fall out before you even get to the door. <laughs> so we thank God. So I pray that helps some and show you where we are. And we just keep it moving. Do we have any announcements tonight?